The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. a very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. Uh, all of the regular season in the LCS has, has finished. We are now right around playoff time. We're recording this on Thursday night before the European and North American playoffs. And we still have one more region who we need to hand out some awards to. We did North America last week. Uh, you guys can go check that out. Uh, but because Europe had to have an extra week of the regular season, and no, Riot Europe, I will not forgive you for that. I will bring it up every <laughs> freaking chance I get to from now until the end of time. As you should. Since there were 10 weeks of the European season, we had to postpone our European award show. We couldn't put it out at the same time as our North American award show because logic doesn't make sense in Riot, <laughs> Riot Europe's minds. But... Nevertheless, we are going to have an award show. We are going to put our thoughts down on paper. And then when all of them are correct, you can hail us and praise us as gods. And joining me on top of the eSports Mount Olympus, my co-host and good friend, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. Chase, how's the view from up there? Look, man, I... I was hoping that week 10, something would happen that would change my list. You know, some team would step up and go, man, like, I can't believe they had that one last game in them. But then you saw teams like Splice just decide to take the week off. And you're telling me Peke didn't win MVP after that week? I, I know. I'm shocked, too. Sorry, spoilers, guys. Peke is my MVP. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Well, look, spoilers. I mean, obviously... Um, uh, you know, there are two former players that started their organization, and one of them deserves all the praise that they get. Um, <laughs> that's that's all I have to say about that. It's you know, this is going to be fun. I thought this list, making this list, was just kind of interesting because I knew like the top four or five that I wanted at each position pretty directly. You know, it, there were teams that were really really good, and there were teams that were really really bad. I can't put anyone from Rocket on my list because their first half of the season was just terrible. Um, you know, that anyone below that, you know, you can say almost certainly the same thing, which you couldn't necessarily about say about NA. NA had a couple players like Lyra who were really, really good, even on bad teams. So you have a lot of guys who, you know, the good guys were really good, but they were all very close in how good they were and which one you picked came down to what you value most. And that's why I'm very excited to get to hear where you came down on this, because I'm hoping that you and I kind of come at it from different angles ultimately and i'm curious to see where that ends up so let's get into this walter i'm excited i i'm very excited and i when i looked at this it wasn't difficult for me to really choose anyone 
Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So we are going to start with the all-pro teams, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yes, the all-pro teams. So we're going to start in the top lane for the all-pro teams. Chase, you said there were four to five candidates at pretty much any position. So what was what was your deciding factor for these three? Well, uh, when I looked here, I, I looked at which players just jumped out as doing one or two things exceptionally well. Uh, for me, that involves, you know, it's were they getting a ton of kills? Were they making plays across the map that their team relied upon? Were they getting a lot of gold you know, from their team? Were, they trust, were their team trusting them in resources in that way? Or were these players able to do really well on low econs? And how did that, you know, mesh with what I saw on, you know, when I just watched the film? So those were the kinds of things where I was just looking for, you know, what particular numbers, you know, can jump out at me as like, this is a thing that you just cannot ignore. And those that kind of helped lead me where I did. Okay, fair enough. Then who was your third team all-pro top laner? Uh, my third team all-pro top laner was Wonder from Splice. Okay. okay. Your third team? Uh, my third team was Oda Wamne from H2K. Okay. Well, Odawamne was my second team, so okay. we're just slightly off there. Uh, I didn't actually have Wonder on my list. My second team, all pro top laner, was actually Visit Chachi from okay. the Unicorns of Love. And Visit Chachi's my first team. So shout out to Zoldak in the, in the comments down there. You're welcome. Here's, here's your first team, buddy. I, I hope that you appreciate it, because it's the only one Unicorns of Love are getting. Um, my, my first teamer was Expect. Okay. So I'm I'm curious about why you put Visit Chachi first, because in all honesty, Wonder would have been my fourth, and, so, and I put Expect number one. So I would have had the same as you, except I had Expect at the top. So what what was your decision for Visit Chachi at the top? Well, first of all, uh, he averaged three point six kills per game, which is the most among all top laners. He was by far the most. Uh, aggressive top laner in the league. He was the center for all of the plays that Unicorns of Love wanted to make around the map. So much of their strategy was in getting him ahead so that they could get things like the Baron, uh, so that they could get those team fights and push down early towers and open up that top half of the map. And he did so with just so much consistency. 65.9% kill participation, 503 damage per minute, which is insane for top laners, uh, 287 uh, 282.7, excuse me, earned gold per minute. That is also insane for top laners. That was first. The damage was second. And first was Odoamne, who blew me away with the sheer efficiency of how he managed his stats, given how little gold that he had on, on you know, at hand. But Visit Chachi, more than any other top laner, needed to be good every single time game. And yes, he had a couple games where he frustrated me, he overextended in lane, and you just look at it and you go, man, if he was just a little cleaner, then this would be so much easier. But in all reality, the Unicorns of Love are not the first place team in Group B if he doesn't have an incredible season, if he's not going out there and trying to beat every single top laner that came his way. And I I think that that at some point it just stands out to me as the guy uh, that deserved that award to me more than anything else. Now, you have Expect at number one. Yes. And as someone who is constantly saying that Expect deserves more credit than he gets, 
I feel very conflicted because obviously I didn't like him enough to put on my list, but I'm kind of glad that he's getting acknowledged. So why? So, so my thing was, I, I thought there were four guys that deserve to be all pro top laners. Expect Chachi, Oduamne, and, and Wonder. And I Agreed. think we kind of agree on that one point. Yeah. Yes. The, the difference to me was what I want from a top laner. And from my top laner, I want consistency. I want, I don't have to worry about you. I don't want to have to worry about you having some deficiency in laning phase in a certain matchup. I don't want to have to worry about you getting, you know, caught out like Dyrus, you know, multiple times right in a row and that teams can pile on top of you. And to me, Chachi, Oduwamne, and Wonder had moments this season, you know, some more than others, where I went, I shouldn't. I don't want to worry about my top laner. I want my top laner to just go up there on an island, and the occasional time that my jungler decides to paddle on over there, you know, they make a play. But other than that, I should never hear my top laner's lane unless he's one v oneing the enemy lane, and you know, gets a one v one and wins it. And to me, expect was the top laner whose name I heard the least early on in the game in terms of making mistakes, in terms of getting caught out, in terms of not warding, in terms of getting you know caught on these you know three-man tower pushes, anything like that. He was the most consistent in that 1 to 15, and then he was incredibly consistent, maybe not as much as you know Chachi Orodawane in terms of the team fighting, but he did exactly what G2 needed out of him in every single one of those team fights. Anytime he was playing Rumble, his ultimates were almost immaculate in every single team fight. The times that he was playing carries, he knew exactly when to split push. When he was playing tanks, his teleports were timely and in the right positions. So to me, just because of what I expect from a top laner, that level of consistency in the first 15 minutes where I don't have to worry about him, that to me is why I'm going to give the edge to expect over the other three. I think the other three have higher ceilings. I think they are better top laners in general. But for me, I'm looking at who is the definition of what I want from a top laner. That, to me, is why I chose Bjergsen over some of the other mid laners when we did the NA Awards. It's what player fits my prototypical definition of what this lane should be. And in Europe, that was expected the top lane. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very fair argument. And it's one that I wrestled with quite a bit because he was Mr. Consistency. Now, I think that, unfortunately, his laning didn't do much to impress me. He was actually negative 34 gold difference at 10 minutes, so he was playing from behind more often than he was playing ahead. But as, you know, a guy like Althari, who I thought was going to make my list until I did a deeper dive on the numbers proofs, winning lane does not translate necessarily to direct victories. And Expect had few, uh, a, a lower gold share than any other top laner other than Soaz, and he had the amazing year that he did. I don't blame you in the slightest for having him at, at number one. I, I think for me, what ended up pushing him down on my list is just how much of that came because he has, you know, one of the best players in the league, possibly my MVP. I don't want to spoil it yet, but, you know, uh, at least the two-time MVP and trick, just helping him out over and over again. I think that that automatically is going to make your numbers better. And he didn't have the ceiling that to me says that that consistency was enough. But certainly, uh, I think that if he does get a nod on and any of the all-pro teams, I think it'll be well-deserved. He's put together a, a very good season. And if even though he didn't quite make it for me, I, I think that he's a, a very fine choice. I'll, I'll say that the, the kind of the crux and the definition of my argument is that Expect had 62 deaths, which was the lowest among any top laner. It's absurd. It's, it's, he, it's he was the great. safety aspect. You don't have to worry about it. He didn't get caught out. 
Uh, and you look at someone like Chachi, he had 98. He was, you know, second highest in the league. Yes. And, and some of that will go into the way that both teams play. But yes, yes. there's certainly expect played a very clean season of League of Legends. And if you're looking for clean play, I, I think the choice is a very fine one. And that's what I want for my top laner. Moving on into the jungle, Chase. Yes. I just just do just do one, two, three. Sure. Just, just do it. I had uh, Yanko's third team, Xerxes second team, and Trick first team. And I had Yanko's third team, Xerxes second team, and Trick first team. Awesome. That's you know. Was was, was was there anyone like? Let, let's talk about Kakao. Let's talk about yeah. Kakao because he didn't he didn't make the top three, and I feel like there are some people that are going to be like, "What? Why is Kakao not on here?" So, what was the reason that you didn't put Kakao on here? I got to be honest. I, not putting Kakao on the list is something that I, I genuinely struggled with. Oh, I did. I, I think it was very easy. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I did easy. not have uh, an easy time with it. I actually wrestled quite a bit between him and Yankos. I mean, Trick played out of his mind uh, the jungle share that. G2 has for themselves because they have him on this team is 56.3. That's obscene. That is yes. just such value that I, I I can't really put into words just how much of an advantage that gives G2 in every single other facet of the game. So that was obvious. Xerxes played out of his mind 7.9 KDA. That was obvious. To me, Yankos versus Kakao came down to what you valued most in a jungler. If you have the same argument you make uh, when you defend Expect about Kakao, I think the line it actually lines up quite nicely. Kakao didn't make a ton of mistakes. He only died 56 times. Only Xerxes died fewer times uh, in by playing a, a significant number of games. 71.4% uh, kill participation. That was second among all active junglers. Uh, so, you, you know, that's obviously something that, you know, he was there making those plays for his team. He was getting gold leads for his team, 180 gold difference at 10 minutes on average. That is first in the league outside of Synchroff, who didn't play enough games to really be a uh, meaningful sample size as far as I'm concerned. So I, I guess for me, ultimately, the thing that took him off the list was that he couldn't take those leads and turn them into something meaningful on his own. Uh, his 205 assists, uh, you know, that's a fine number. I mean, it's not, it's certainly not a bad number. He got to a 5.2 KDA for a reason, but he only got 85 kills and he didn't do much damage per minute at all. 238 damage per minute, in fact, which was the lowest among all junglers that are still active in the league. So you had this guy who was very good at getting early leads and very bad at converting them into anything else. And that's kind of been the problem with Misfits for a while now, is that they were a team that preyed on that snowball, and if you could stay even or close with them when it came to the mid to late game, we've seen teams kind of flip the script on them time and time again, and when I watched this last week, I was waiting to see that gear switch from Kakao for him to be the guy that I felt like they needed him to be in that series, and instead I saw the exact opposite, and in the meantime, I saw Yankos, who has just been an absolute monster, sure, a, a one-sided monster, uh, that he he just does all of the damage all of the time. 4.5 kills per game makes him the most explosive juggler in the league, and it wasn't that close. I think the next person is a whole point below him 
It's just absurd. 70.1% kill participation, most damage permitted of any jungler. He had one gear, and he did it better than anyone else in the league. And in any other year, you throw him in North America, he's at least my number two, and he'd be threatening Lyra for the one spot. But he's in Europe, where Xerxes played like a legend, and Trick is one of the best players that we've ever seen play in Europe. So... Sorry, Aikos, you're third. I, I don't know what to tell you. And, and sorry, Cacao. You should Cacao put together what would have easily been an all-pro effort if he was in North America. It just wasn't enough compared to the other junglers in, in Europe. I, I will say my biggest thing with Cacao was he was very hamstrung by champion pool. He did not yes. do very well early on in the season when it was almost exclusively um, a, a kind of a carry-style meta where you're playing a lot of a lot of uh, Kha'Zix, a lot of like full damage. Rengar is really when it got back into more control style, the Lee Sins, the Elises, more tank style Rengar play. Um, he's not a great Graves player. It just, he seemed incredibly hamstrung and it's in this only one style that he's very good. And to me, that pigeonholed misfits as a team into this is the one play style we're good at. If you're the best team in the world at that one play style, you can be world beater. You can win titles with like that if you master the triangle offense, so to speak. But when you don't master it, when you don't have all the nuances figured out, you get you get caught, you get found out, you get you get punked essentially when these other teams come in and don't allow you to play your style. And I just their run towards the end of the split just really damages a lot of the players on this team. In my eyes, because it did seem so flat. It did seem so listless. Um, the other big thing you mentioned was that Kakao really didn't do a good job taking the lead that he would build and moving it around the map. Right. It was much more about getting the team a lead, so he was much more uh, objective-oriented in terms of uh, trying to get dragons, trying to get towers, and the like. Um, and when you have that kind of gold lead, you need to be able to work because that's how you... It's how you keep winning the game, and he was the second worst warder in the league. Uh, when you look at the big guy, when you look at Yankos, he made it. He was in the upper upper half, mm-hmm. so still not great, but still you know kind of bad at really moving that lead around the map. And the reason why I don't punish Xerxes for that is because the lack of vision didn't matter. He just <laughs> killed people. He just went out of his way. He was just making plays, and to me, he was just a, a fantastic rookie. Did not he didn't feel like a rookie. No, he felt he like one of those guys that comes in the NBA. He's NBA ready from day one, from tip off. He's NBA ready. He's battling it with the big guys. Uh, and then Trick is Trick. And th- there's nothing to say about Trick at this point. It's kind of like how we talk about Europe is everyone's trying to beat G2. Well, in all in the jungle, it's all about, well, everyone's trying to catch up to Trick. Yeah. So I think he's an exceptional jungler. He's I have a feeling we'll get more into tricks soon enough but just just a note for for xerxes real quick um unicorns of love had as many deaths as vitality did this season if you want to put that in perspective and yet xerxes died fewer times than just about any other relevant jungler out there it's just obscene i don't know how he does it i don't how do you only die 45 times when you when your team is like the most battle oriented team in the league it's it's just bonkers. I don't know how he did it other than to say, man, I can't wait to see what he's like after a whole nother split, Walter. This is the start of his career. We get to watch him keep growing. He's only 17. 
like, you know, you know what excites me about this is like he's all those young. You remember back when we had all those young midlanders when yes. there was uh, Pep, Peppies and the Betsies, and like we had that string of all those young midlanders. This is like that moment, except it's a jungler this time. Yes. and it's like I can't wait to see where your career goes from here. The only difference is he doesn't have any young talent around, like other young talent that you're like, oh, he they could be competition. You look at Memento and Max Lore, and it's like, and eh, you're not really competition to Xerxy, like. You guys are kind of like, you know, you guys are like soldiers from Athens, and Xerxes is like the leader of the Persian army, which I think is where his namesake comes from. Yes. So, L- I mean... Literally, yes. <laughs> it's it's kind of apples and like, I don't know, stale bread? Uh. I, I just, there's just no comparison. So you have to compare him to Trick and Yankos, the two greats of Europe. And after one split, I think he definitely is fitting up there. Yeah, he he belongs in that conversation undoubtedly, which is more than any Unicorns of Love fan could have hoped for when we entered the season. Just an incredible, an incredible split by him. Moving on to the mid lane. I think it's funny that I just brought up mid laners. And now we're on to the mid lane. Hmm. So Chase, uh, Europe's mid laners were, were, were okay. I don't think that someone made a point... Uh, someone wrote an article about how it used to be that Europe was fantastic mid laners. Yes, that that was always the thing, and it was the Spaniards and Peke and and um, Asala, and then there was the Danes with Froggen and Bjorks and all these guys. And now the position seems it's solid, but it's not like exceptional. So again, like I asked you with top lane, there are uh, probably three or four guys that all you know could be in any one of these spots. What was that last sort of? defining feature that you said, okay, this is why this guy is three, this is why this guy is two, and this is why this guy is at one. Well, uh, you know, without getting into my answers, because I'm, I'm just about to talk about him, uh, my three was very obvious to me because there was a very clear flaw that kind of kept him off the list. Uh, from there, I was just looking at, you know, of the four people I had in my head, which one didn't quite do enough? And when you look at the numbers, I found that there was, you know, one player who I thought for sure was going to make this list because it seemed like this is a meta in which he should have excelled. And that just didn't happen. It didn't convert into success. Uh, and that's perks. I was very okay. surprised when you bro- when I looked at the numbers. He only had 122 kills this season. This was an assassin meta. How does that make sense? What Perks, what's up, man? You feeling okay? Like, I I don't know what happened. It was, it was kind of underwhelming from him, but... In the wake of that, we saw two other mid laners really take a step forward, and we saw one mid laner who we said at the beginning was going to take that step forward uh, manage to live up to, I, I think, our expectations. And I, to me, it just came down to from there, like, well, what do you prefer? And for me, I, I prefer a mid laner who can be the center of, of the team's attack and be that guy, that leader that you need in that mid lane position. And that's kind of what ended up making the decision for me at the end of the day. Okay, so so who was your third team mid laner? Uh, my third team mid laner was Exile. I uh, I agree with that. My third team mid laner was also Exile. Who was your second team mid laner? My second team mid laner was Forbidden. Okay, see, my second team mid laner was Power of Evil. Who was my first team all pro mid laner? And my first team all pro mid laner was Forbidden. Awesome. Okay, so... So, this is going to be an interesting discussion. Yeah. First of all, why was Exile not in the top two? What uh, do you think that came down to? He died too many times. 
Okay. He died 3.1 times per game. That's unacceptable from a mid laner in most situations. Now, he made up for it by averaging an astounding 5.4 kills per game, which is more than any other player in the league. That's also uh, just out of this world. So you, you took the good with the bad. Uh, the good was too good for me to keep him off the list, yes. but the bad was too problematic for me to have him any higher on the list. And I, I think that uh, there's certainly room for him to improve. I just, the, the feast or famine nature of his play was concerning to me and kind of kept him from moving up any further. Yep. To- totally agree with everything you just said there. Okay. Mm-hmm. You chose power of evil over forbidden. I did. Why? Okay. So, so you're going to give the forbidden argument. I'm going to do the power I'll of evil give, I'll argument. Give the, I'll give the forbidden or probably more the anti power of evil argument, but go ahead. Interesting. Okay. Well, power of evil did everything you would want a mid laner to do. Uh, laning numbers, 118 gold at 10 difference at 10 minutes. That's uh, you know as good a, a mid laner in, in terms of winning the lane as anyone we had uh, outside of funnily enough forbidden. But what we have with Power of Evil is a 5.7 KDA, 74.6% kill participation. Uh, the guy was the center of everything that Misfits did. Uh, When they won games, it was because Power of Evil was out there getting kills, making rotations, putting them in a position where they could just devastate the map, and that was the center of their entire offense, right? His roams down to the bot lane were so crucial in terms of how they you know, we're, we're able to set up plays and, and open up the map and start this snowball that became the Misfits way. And to me, like, that only happens if you have a guy playing at the top of his game every week. And he absolutely was. He only died 53 times this entire season. This was another team that was super aggressive. All of these back and forth kills. And he just didn't die. He was just, you know, backline for his team, getting so much consistent damage out, making sure that he was involved in every single play. I I love that. I, I love seeing that performance from him. I love seeing the bounce back from what we saw when he was struggling at Origin last year. I love it. I love it. Welcome back, Power of Evil. I missed you, buddy. So... There were times early on in the split, you know, the very first couple of weeks where Power of Evil seemed to struggle, and I think that was equivalent to his jungler struggling. Um, But the reason I really put Femevin over Power of Evil was I was going to put Power of Evil first. And then when I was looking at my list, and right before I was going to finalize it and, you know, put all the graphics up and everything, I was just like, Chase always tells me that I'm being too harsh on (laughs) Femevin. Chase always says, Fabivin is better than you think, Walter. He doesn't make all the super flashy plays. Power of Evil made some flashy plays. Exile made some flashy plays. But it's just, I had this nagging feeling in the back of my head the entire time of like, but I'm underestimating Fabivin in some way. Chase is going to tell me I'm totally <laughs> wrong about this. I need to put Fabivin first. Like, I know he's going to be first. Everybody's going to pick him to be first. Power of Evil had some weak moments. Fabivin is the perfect piece to go with H2K because he doesn't have to be the outright carry. He does not have to be the I'm the be-all, end-all, which it feels like Power of Evil really did for Misfits. Yes. And Power of Evil really had to play on eggshells because if he stepped in the wrong spot, their entire... It was boomer bust, essentially. And Fabivin was more like, nah, I got Yankos. Like, I'm good, dude. I'm just... It's like Lissandra, like, I'm ice cold, man. And he just felt like Reggie Miller. He just felt ice cold the entire split. 
that nothing was going to phase him, that he knew his role, exactly how to perform it, and how to execute it. Yeah. And I know that doesn't fit my prototypical definition of a mid laner, but when I was doing this and I was I was sitting there, it was that nagging thought in the back of my mind that Chase is going to call me an idiot because I'm <laughs> underestimating Fabivit. Chase is going to call me an idiot because I'm underestimating Fabivit. Chase is going to call me an idiot because I'm underestimating Fabivit. So you mind gamed me, sir. Well played. Look, you should be the next East, the sports psychologist for TSM. I look. I'm, I'm available. TSM, call me. Um, I, I love Fabivit. I'm not going to say any negative things about Fabivit because. I do believe that he's underestimated. The you know the kill participation was lowered artificially by the way that the last week played out. Had it not been you know Splice literally throwing their bodies at the wall and everyone grabbing solo kills across the map, his numbers wouldn't be quite as bad as they looked in that regard. So I, I'm more willing to forgive the low kill participation than I normally would. Still lower than I'd like. Um, I don't think that one game explains everything, but it just you know something to consider. Uh, his, you know, earned gold per minute and gold difference at 10 minutes were the best in the league. Guy consistently won his lane. Guy consistently got resources for himself. And he was consistently the one of the bigger threats on the map. Whatever champion he was on. And by the way, in 31 games, in 30 games, excuse me, he played 11 different champions. Because he could play so many different things. And he won with almost all of them. And even the worst of them, he didn't look bad. I mean, the guy has this giant toolkit to his arsenal. And when they needed him to be the carry, he was the carry. And when they said, hey, Oduwamne's got this one, or Nuclear's got this one, or let's just see Yankos get 10 kills, he was willing to step back and do that as well. And the fact that he was able to do it with kind of that lower gold share than you might expect from, from a mid laner of his stature, I, I think that stood out to me as well. I, I, I thought he had a great season. I went back and forth on him versus Power of Evil about a thousand times. I don't think there's a wrong answer between the two. I think that they're the best team. Clearly there's a wrong answer because you chose Power of Evil when I expected you to choose the So I'm just saying it was very close. I don't want you to feel like you came out of nowhere with this thought that, oh, Chase doesn't like Forbidden as much as I thought. No, Chase really likes Forbidden. That just tells you how much I really liked Power of Evil this season. Fair enough. Uh, Moving on to AD Carry. Yes. Chase, Um, I think there were actually only three options for these spots. I agree. I don't think there was a fourth. So uh, who was your third team All-Pro AD Carey? My third team was Nuclear. Thought he had a great season. Uh, My third team was Sven from G2. Sven was my second team. Uh, Nuclear was my second team. And your first team was? Reckless. It has to be. I I absolutely agree. This this (sighs) is the one. This is Reckless. I want to talk about Reckless. Yes, let's do it. Reckless is the one where I was looking at it and I was like, oh man, first team is going to be like, I get to Zed, do I get to Nuclear? Man, maybe Samex does deserve to be top three. And then I was just like, wait, <laughs> I'm forgetting someone here. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, Reckless. Reckless is just the quietest of good players, isn't he? He just, you know, it's one of those things where... We always like to say, like, well, if he's your second best player, you're going to be in a good spot, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we put him in that category because historically, that's where he's been. When he was asked to be the guy on Alliance, he couldn't quite hold up. But you know what? He had to be that guy on Fnatic this season. And for the record, I was going back and forth on whether he was going to be first team, second team. And then he played as well as he did in the last week. And I'm like, you know what, man? If it's not for Reckless, this team doesn't make the playoffs. 
Just straight yeah. up. They Agreed. needed him to go that Super cannon. Saiyan. Yep. And every team knew he's the win condition. It's not like he was going in like, oh, yeah, they're going to ignore me. It's like, he's their number one guy. We have to send everything his way or exactly. he's just going to win. And he did it anyway. And he won his lane every time. And he, you know, his kill participation, 69.2%. For 80 carries, that just doesn't happen. Like, it, I, I don't know how to make sense of this. He died 44 times. Fnatic played 36 games. That's, we're, we're talking about less than 1.2 deaths per game. I, how? Where did this come from? I, I don't know. I'm not going to argue with it. I just, you know, from adversity comes the greatness. the most kills. He had most, uh, yeah. third most assists. He had among the fewest deaths. Like, the guy was just un, unnaturally good. Just, like, blatantly unnaturally good. And he didn't lose lane. He was constantly strong in lane. He can play pretty much any AD carry under the sun. Like, I'm sure if Urgot came into the meta, he would be a good Urgot player. It's just, it's incredible that when you think about it, we just forget him. We forget he exists. He's the ultimate, like, Casper the Friendly Ghost, where you just, he's just there and you never know. And then when you're thinking about it, you're talking about AD carries, and you're like, oh, his man was pretty good, you know, going back and forth, back and forth. And then, like, there's this little voice that's like, I'm like, oh, damn, that's right. And then you look at the numbers and you're like, I man, if you were on a better team, everybody would be talking about you. You'd be on par with like, we'd be having discussions about whether you would reach, you know, forgiven levels of play. Like, well, and also just, like, if they hadn't pushed Caps to be the face of this team, like this would have been wrecked. Like the storyline for this entire year was what's happening with Baby Faker? Is Baby Faker finally <laughs> going to emerge? Is this the time that Caps finally gets going? When the whole story this whole season should have been, Hey, so you know how everything else with Fnatic is kind of crumbling? Do you see what Reckless is doing? You know his support is Jez's, right? He's doing this with Jez's as L a support. Listen, listen, Fnatic, you need to take something from the WWE, right? They're, they're making a mistake here. They're pushing Roman Reigns on people yes. super hard. They've been doing it for, like, years. Stop right? it. And the star isn't Roman Reigns. It's, like, Finn Balor or Seth Rollins or AJ Styles or Kevin Owens. Like, all these other little guys are so much more interesting and so much better. But you're like, nah. Cats, he's our guy. He's the guy we want to push on everyone. Like, come on, guys. Pick pick, pick the winning player. Pick Reckless. Push him on. He's the face of your franchise. Ever since those other guys left, I know Soaz is there. Soaz isn't the face of this franchise anymore. Right. It is Reckless, and you need to treat him as such, and you need to propel him uh, forward as such. Because, man, when he had that, that, that tweet and that, like, Facebook comment about how he was, like, really depressed and he didn't know if we wanted to play anymore because they were, like, losing, like... I'm not the biggest Reckless fan on the planet, but reading that and seeing all that and then seeing how well he performed in the summer split and now in this split is like, I want to see this kid keep playing. I want to see him on an actually like a really good team with really, really solid players around him. You know, not late career so as and, and expecting. Like, I want a really, really, really good team around him. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, TSM. They have an import slot available yeah maybe i mean maybe. i i think it would be if if you're not convinced the double is going to come back i think that that would be a great thing honestly if i'm fanatic uh i tell him right now like hey you have the keys to the rebuild this summer well who do you want just tell us we're doing it this is your i feel team like they now. kind of already did that this summer though. i passed off season i mean i don't know how much say he had in those decisions i wasn't in those rooms but whatever Whatever you can do to make him happy needs to be done. Because you look at his face in week nine 
after the, the one game loss they had at Giants, and he just stood there at the computer and sat there for like ten, like five minutes at least. Uh, long, you know, after the they'd already gone back, and it cuts to him, and he's still there, and he just, you know, is just staring at his computer screen, like, you know, what have I done? What's gone wrong? How did I get to this point in my life? And You're probably asking how I got here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And fanatic, the answer needs to be because we love you and want to give you all of the things. Here are the things that we could give you. Please stay and love us because I genuinely don't know what fanatic would be without him right now. He has given them hope. He has given them uh, enough consistency and enough strength in that position. It's taken pressure in the last couple of weeks off of Broxa, off of Caps. They've let him finally take over now that they got rid of Nico the Pico. I, I know we don't do like a worst coach of the year awards, but the, the amount of negative value that Nico the Pico clearly had on this team that just some random manager could step up in the last two weeks and they'd look about a thousand percent better has to be, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think there are words for it, but please, Fanatic, trust him, trust the process, let this be what you build from because that's one hell of a cornerstone. And for the record, none of this is it should be seen as an insult to Sven or Nuclear. I thought they both had great seasons. I think that Sven, to me, wasn't quite the same guy that he was before. He wasn't the same kind of dominant threat in fights yeah. that I like to gravitate towards, but I thought he was incredibly consistent. I thought he still did, you know, you know, his team wasn't as aggressive as they'd been in previous games, but he executed the plan perfectly. Uh, Nuclear, I, I felt like when he had to be the guy, he stepped up and was the guy. Um, and that's something that I, I really respected from him. It wasn't something I expected he could do heading into the season, and he did it very well. Um, both of them, I think you can look at, you know, whether they had early game strengths, which Sven's laning was insane, or some of the late game strengths and the team fighting the nuclear brought. I don't think there's a, you know, I, I could go over that back and forth. I, I think, you know, either one of our lists is fine in that regard, but Reckless just, he, he won it. He he wanted fair and square. Absolutely, absolutely. That that was I think out of everyone, that was out of NA and Europe. That is probably the one I was the most bang on one thousand percent sure of. Like yeah. there was a moment where I was like maybe maybe Xerxy over Trick. Like maybe and I was like nah. I looked at the numbers. I was like that's not possible. But like <laughs> Reckless was absolutely. I put that down and like I chiseled that into a stone block. It was like yep, that's gonna sit here on my on my uh, bookshelf while I type it into the computer. Like, yeah. that was how sure I was uh, about Reckless's first team, 80 carry. Uh, but with 80 carries, there are also supports. Yes. So, Chase. We need to start disagreeing, Walter. This has been we're gonna surprisingly here, pleasant. I think, I think we're going to disagree here. Uh, your third team support. Uh, my third team support? Let's just give H2K the full five spots here. I had Che. Uh, I disagree with that. I had Mithy as my third team. Who is your second team support? Uh, my second team was Mickey. Oh, Mickey, you were so fine. It blew my mind. Had to be done. Go ahead, Walter. Who is your I second? You. I actually hate you. Uh, <laughs> I hate you. Uh, my second team was Ignar. Ignar, yeah. So that was my first team. Ignar won it for me. And uh, and my first team was Hillasan. So you're, here we go. You're we, insane. You, you're absolutely you got, insane. Yeah. I am. I'm absolutely insane in the membrane. That is fine. I'm totally okay with that. Um, I just want to hear your argument because my like like the Hillisang thing is just mind boggling to me. Because isn't this what we said the whole season of like, man, he you know he's having an off season because the champions that he's good at aren't in the meta, and he has that zillion thing that he keeps trying to force. But outside of that, we're worried about him. Like, when did that narrative change? Because I, um, I missed that. 
the the narrative changed when I did the other four teams and realized I hadn't put someone from Unicorns of Love in first team, and I felt bad. And I'm like, no, I'm going to put Hillisong here because I have him at the same level as Ignar and Mithy. Ah, oh, okay. That's the thing is I, I value the three of them the same. Um, and then I, I didn't even think about Mickey and Shay. It, it, honestly, I, they never entered my mind. So why did you include Mickey and Shay over guys like Mithy and Hillisong? Well, uh, for, for Mickey, the case to me was, was obvious, 67.2% kill participation. He was everywhere. He was in charge of, of getting the roams on the map. He was in charge of getting the vision that Splice needed. He was in charge of getting some of the initiations in their big team fights. Myth- Mickey was the playmaker for Splice, and when they won games, it was likely because Mickey got the vision that he needed, got, you know, you know, managed to, to get the laning phase such that they weren't falling behind, which was something sometimes a problem for Splice. He was the guy for them, and he was constantly looking to make those plays around the map. Uh, you know, did the lane go as well as it had in, in previous years? No, but I, I put that more towards Kabi and some of the inconsistencies as far as how he felt in the AD carry meta more than I do in Mickey, who week in and week out was still forcing plays whether his teammates could follow up on it or not. And as for Che, I, I mean, I was looking through, uh, you know, I... I didn't care for, for Mithy this year. Uh, 86 deaths is more than I'd like for a support. The 99 deaths for Hillisang is obscenely high for me from a support. That's, the, that's it, totally okay. That's the same amount of deaths as Hustlin' for the record. Totally okay. Same. I Just throwing it out there. Just That's that's, that's not... That That to me is a, was a disqualifier that's off fine. the top for, for okay. Hillisang. And with Mithy, You're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> okay, buddy. I, I will say... That Che, the only, you know, the biggest reason I had to put him on this list, uh, Che averaged a staggering 9.9 assists per game. That was the most in the league. I I don't know what to tell you, man. 9.9 assists per game. He was everywhere. He was, you know, constantly, you know, making plays for his team and setting up all of the, the things that they needed. And this was the story of H2K, right? For this entire season, they were a team that had five individual players who were all among the best at their position and the question was whether you could force them to have to beat you as a unit rather than as the five individuals and when teams like the unicorns of love could force these weird tempo trades that meant that h2k never had time to feel comfortable in that regard that was how h2k lost but against the rest of the league Every single one of them could go out there on the rift and say, I am better than you. I'm going to make more plays than you. I'm going to set up more plays than you. Even if I don't follow up on those plays, you're just going to know that they're there and you're going to be afraid of us from the from minute one until the Nexus ends, probably within 30 minutes because we're H2K and we crush fools uh, when we're really trying to, to sneak up and, in- and grab those wins. So... I mean, I mean, to me, H2K across the board deserved credit for that regard. I thought the individuals all played very well. Um, and 9.9 assists per game was too much for me to ignore. So here, here's the thing. Um, I agree with that. But I, I agree with the Che point. I get where you're coming from. But I, I don't remember hearing Che's name very often. That's something to me... That is just is kind of stuck in my mind of I forgot Che existed as a support. I'll be very honest about that. I just forgot he existed as a player. Um, and when you're on a team that has Oduwamne, Yankos, and Fabivin, and Nuclear, who was someone that I thought was I thought that bot lane was going to be terrible, and then by the end of the season it was as good as it was. Like the other four players on that team shine more to me than Che did. So I sure. forget that he is there. If I liked Mithy or Hillisang at all, I, I would have felt differently. I thought the Mithy had a rough split. I thought Hillisang yeah. had a very rough split. So, I, yeah. 
So, so your argument for Mickey about being this essential crux to making all of these plays is what I'm arguing for Hillisan Ignar and Mithy. Hillisan had a 58.7% kill participation. And he Literally had the lowest in the assists. league. And he had the second highest amount of assists. It's the deaths. It's 100% the deaths. And I'm not going to take that away from you. I'm not talking about the deaths. I'm talking about kill participation. He wasn't making plays around the map. He was making plays within his own little lane. And H2K, I mean, Unicorns of Love, excuse me, had more plays because they killed more people than everyone else. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't making plays for the team. If it was, his kill participation would be higher. He wasn't involved in more than 40% of the kills. So you can't say he was going around the map. Mickey was going around the map at least more than 10% of the time more. And again, that Mickey not being on my list has more to do. I was really down on Splice for 90% of the year. That's, That's the fair. thing is that I, I was I get really that. down on Splice and I'm not rewarding him for that. Again, in my mind, support was what it was going to be these three guys. And the... <laughs> The order on these three guys, I could have flipped a coin to determine the order of these three guys. But in my mind, these were the three guys that were going to be on my list. And the deciding factor was I hadn't given Unicorns of Love a trophy yet. That was that literally is the only reason Hillisani is my number one pick. Is that I hadn't given Unicorns of Love a first place trophy. And I felt that among these three guys, they all had some weaknesses that were very obvious. They all got caught out at times. They all had some troubles with their warding. They all had issues you know, in the laning phase. But they were a crux of a lot of their team's team fights in the mid to late game. That is where I looked at all these three. And I never thought about anyone else. I never thought about Mickey. I never thought about Che. I thought about Wadden as a joke for like two seconds just to meme you. Hey, uh, you know, I got to be honest with you. And I, I understand, like, let's be clear. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But I would have picked him before I would have picked Hillisog. 3.0 KDA, 65.8% kill participation, uh, the 1.58 wards per minute. He actually had individually a rather fine split. His numbers are better to me than any of Hillisang's numbers. And and for the record, Hillisang, I think you're a great player. I just think this was not your meta, and I think you agree with me. I think that's why why you forced pocket picks. I I think it was... uh, I, I don't think he fulfilled the job as it was described in this meta. Very effectively. That's fair. But you know what? At the end of the day, this is my list, so screw you. <laughs> I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think. But you um, know what? Um, we we kind of, I think we mind-melded for the next three awards. Yes. Um, so we're going to go to the rookie of the split. Chase, who was it? it it's Xerxes. Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere close. I, people got mad at me when I tried to make it a conversation. Like, straight up. No, it's up. not a conversation. It's not a conversation. There's no conversation here. Well, I understand that, but I feel badly because... 7.9 KDA! 7.9 KDA! 45 deaths! It's, like, it's absurd. It's, it's absolutely absurd. He's he the third most deaths... He has the third fewest deaths behind Steelback <laughs> and Reckless! Are you kidding me? I, he's a juggler! He's insane. It's genuinely... It's over the moon. I, there's no argument to be had. Uh, you know, if I, if I want to give... A couple people, a moment of credit. Uh, Alfari was the best laning top oh, laner in the league. Oh, oh, just throwing it oh, out there. He oh, didn't follow oh. up later on in the game, but that is something I like to see from a rookie. I thought that Hans Sama did a lot of good things in his rookie season, and not enough to me. Um, I don't feel like they trusted him enough to really step up in the, in the biggest moments. He, they much more used him in a utility I angle, did. and we could argue whether that's a good thing or not till the end of time. But Wadded was was fine. Like I said, I, I thought that he was a support that 
um, that surprised me in terms of his consistency. And even though the first half of the split for Rocket was just too miserable for me to consider any of them for these positions, as much as I love Rocket, you know, thanks guys. I have I have hope for summer. Just this is about spring. Um, I mean, there, there's just no argument here. It's it's Xerxy, and it's not close, and it kind of makes me sad that it's not close because I'm not sure we're going to have a rookie season as good as Xerxy's rookie season. How do you do this? How do you have that few deaths on a team with as much action and sanity as the Unicorns of Love? How do you have 258 assists as a jungler? What? What? I don't I don't have words. I, shout out to you, Xerxy. I, I, the only thing I have to say is, like, I'm sorry that you're in a region with Trick so that you can't win first team all, uh, all pro jungle. I don't know how you're going to have to do it because this was an incredible season and it still wasn't enough. But uh, great season, buddy. Good job. Xerxy was amazing. This might be one of the greatest rookie jungle splits since Medios. I, I mean, even Medios, I'm not sure, was... I mean, Demetrius was great for his era. I'm just not like Demetrius this. Demetrius was... had like a 12.9 KDA. It didn't ever die. Like the, that's, that's true. the one here is just. But the difference is, Medios didn't kill people. He didn't really gank. He just power farmed, and that was why he was just very like his ganking was very fine tuned, and he only ganked when he knew he was at an advantage. Xeroxy, with the terrible vision control unicorns of love had, just said, "I'm better than everyone. I don't." <laughs> Care. I don't care if I know I don't know where your jungler is. I'm gonna go in and get two kills, and it's not gonna matter. So Warwick, Xerxes, let's go. I love it. You deserve it. You've got some rocking hair. Just so you know, when I found the picture of you to put up here, I was just like, that guy's got a good head of hair. Seventeen. He's seventeen. He could be playing for six more years. He's seventeen. Baby diamond prox. I love it. Oh, I, I love it so prox. much. Shout out to you, Xerxy. Moving on to the coach of the split. Yes. Chase. Yes. Who is your coach of the split? You know, I, I gotta say, it was gonna be Daku. I wanted it to be Deku. Daku. What? I don't know how to pronounce it. I, I thought, I what? really wanted it to be, because look, this was a challenger team that stepped up and was seven and, it was six and two through eight series. That's incredible. That is a And, and what, great... what was the streak that they ended the season on? What was the streak they ended the well, season Well, this on? is what I'm trying to say. He lost the award in the last two weeks. He, they lost the award. He, he had it up until that last moment, and he threw it away. And he threw it away with terrible Bicken fan phases. He threw it away with absolutely zero adaptations to what the enemy was doing, either in terms of macro strategy or in that drafting strategy. He threw it away. So at that point, I was like, well, it, it can't be him because he clearly did not hold up under the pressure as the late season rolled around. So it's got to be Sheepy. Because Sheepy took Xerxy, this 17-year-old that had a couple games uh, in some Turkish league, and turned him into one of the best junglers in the league. And he took Exile and helped shape him into this kill-crazy mid laner. And he created this value game, you know, looking for these trades and finding all these little advantages in a way that no other team in Europe feels confident to be able to even try to mimic in the way that they do it. He just, week in and week out, they came up with more interesting picks, more varieties of picks, more ways of covering for things like Hillisang's weak champion pool. It's just very intelligent, very well done. And it took a team that, according to Unicorn, was projected to be third in this group, or was the third most likely to win the group at the very least. And they won it. And in my opinion, 
you know, it, it wasn't particularly, you know, I, I mean, H2K played great, but Unicorns of Love earned that with their two victories over H2K, Absolutely. and he deserves all the credit for that. I just, I, I wish that Misfits had drafted better and God. played better in the last two weeks. That's a shame. Uh, I'm genuinely you. disappointed. I, uh, I'm so tilted. Uh, my, my, my choice was, was Shibi, and it wasn't close. It was by far, it was going to be Sheepy the entire time. Um, my, my, I think it's weird that we don't put Young Buck on here, but I think Young Buck gets punished because we just expect G2 to be number one. Yeah, how, how what, do you what measure? Could they, what could they do? They go 28 0. If like, they'd gone undefeated, Young Buck wins this. If they'd gone undefeated, it would have had to be in the conversation. But losing the series to Rock at, it was the end of their 400 game streak. I felt like, week 400 day streak, I should say. I, I felt like that was enough of a reason to move on. If they'd gone undefeated again, we'd really have to consider it. But well, they didn't. But my second was Prawley. My what? second was Prawley. He took this team to the world semifinals, lost arguably the best player in Europe, besides Trick in Forgiven, one of the greatest 80 carries of all time in Western history, and lost Ryu, who was such a stabilizing force in the mid lane. And at that point, one, you know, some teams would don't, would, you know, try to change their style up a little bit, bring in something different. He doubled down and went like, no, I'm gonna go find players that do the exact same thing. Those two, and technically three, because they lost Vander, too. Those three did. I'm going to double down and just keep perfecting this style. And if you want to see a team in the West that has a specific style of play, and they only play that specific style of play, it's H2K. There is an H2K way to play League of Legends, and they don't care who it's against. They're going to play that way. They don't care what you do to them. And sometimes it catches them and puts them in a bad spot when they're against, you know, a certain other type of play. We saw Unicorns of Love beat them both times. We saw G2 beat them. When you can figure out what works against them, you're kind of in trouble. And that's something I want to see probably continue to develop, you know, chipping away at all these things. Because I always bring up Jim Beheim when I pick up, you know, single usage systems. Dude's been coaching for 40 years. The 2-3 zone, everybody knows how to attack it. You attack it from the high post by the free throw line. You get yourself a big man who can pass and who can shoot that you know free throw line jump shot. And you do back cuts. Everybody knows how to beat it. But Jim Beheim has just figured out the nuances to make it as difficult as possible for you to do it. Whether it's swarming that big man when he's around that free, uh, free throw line. When it's getting bigger guards so the wingspans go wider. Or bigger wings on the line so their wingspans go wider. Or just the communication or all these little nuances. That is what I see from probably split in, split out, is he's chipping away at the weakness of his system and making it that much more difficult to beat it. So probably would have been my second. Daku wasn't even close. You don't get you don't get anywhere you don't get in the door when your team gives up halfway through the split. I don't care if he's secured a playoff spot or not. No, I look, like I said, it was his to lose and he lost it. And I think that that's you know, to me, I was incredibly disappointed with the way that they performed down the stretch, and I was incredibly disappointed in the way that they prepared down the stretch. And I think that has to, you know, the buck starts with the coach. That's that's just how it goes. Um, Absolutely. We got to move on to the MVP, Walter. It's time. I, it, it, there's no drum roll here. Like, this is the most, I just, well, who's the MVP? Just say who the MVP is. It's so boring. Look, it has to be Trick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, and I, I wrote this in my article on Unicorn, which should be posted today by the time you're listening to this. Um, I tried really hard to find another candidate here. I looked at Vizichachi's highlight reel. I broke down every reckless statistic and how much he carried that team. I looked at Xerxes. I looked at Ignar. I looked at Fabivin. And I'm like, you know, if I have to try this hard, 
it's probably because Trick is the right answer. And he is! I, again, 56.3% jungle control. It's obscene. It is ridiculous. It is absurd. And I'm not going to let myself get tired of this. I'm not going to let myself get bored of this. You know, it... It's just the fact that we don't talk about how amazing he is on a weekly basis is just a testament to how consistently amazing he is. He, it's so just given like, oh yeah, well it's Trick. He's obviously going to have some massive farm advantage in the jungle and he's going to get at least two or three ganks that are going to give his laners an advantage that they, uh, you know, in, other, in no other situation would have. And he's going to do some amazing thing in a team fight that just turns things around or understand these rotations in a way that just feels like it's second nature. I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm tired of trying to find another answer. I'm just, all hail the once and future king of the EU LCS. You did it again, Trick. You're going to keep getting this award until someone takes it from you. And please, RS of Europe, come at the crown. Please. I would love to put someone else on this list. It's the third time in a row I'm having to do it. But you've got to take out the king. I'm not taking Michael Jordan or LeBron James off of my MVP vote unless you beat them. And to this day, Trick's still the undisputed king. So, listen, I know I know, Trick was on Samsung, but Crown is on Samsung. Crown, Crown isn't on DC. <laughs> He's over in Korea on Samsung. Boom. Took second place in the LCK. And and is Damn. trying to knock Baker off. He's he's like the ultimate heel over there in the LC. I did, I just had to make that sure. Uh, yeah, like I said, my my MVP is Peke. As you can see on the screen, it's obviously it's Peke. That's X Peke's photo. And I didn't try to spend your entire explanation trying to find a picture of X Peke on my computer to try and do that. Um, but all means aside, yeah, it was trick. And I I tried really hard, guy. I, Unicorns Law fan, I tried really really hard to to give the jungle position. To give this to Xerxes, I I tried, I tried to do anything I could to decry Trick, and even at the end of the split, the series against Rocket, I was like, yes, yes, the God has bled. He looks weak. But then I was just like, yeah, but when they played against you, he absolutely massacred Xerxes, and at M at IEM, he absolutely massacred Xerxes. I'm sorry, I really wanted to give it to Xerxes, but I can't. It's Trick. Trick is by far the best jungler in the West. And I'm sure if he went to Korea, someone would figure out how to use him and he'd be the best jungler over there too. Um, he might just be the best jungler in the world. In uh, all honesty. His instincts he, are like, brilliant. His pathing is brilliant. His yeah. instincts are brilliant. I, I, you know, to me, it's like, you know, at some point... It's almost like, again, you try to come up with reasons to explain why he's not as good as, as it seems because it just seems so absurd that he's as good as he is. Like, oh, maybe there just isn't a jungler in Europe that can match his pathing. But Europe had a ton of good junglers this year. You don't think Yankos knows how to jungle path and knows how to pick apart enemy junglers' weaknesses? Really? Like, I can't make that case. I can't claim that Xerxes didn't play incredibly well for a rookie. He didn't look like a rookie. I can't, I'm not going to demean his performance by saying, oh, well, Trick, you know, is a veteran and Xerxes isn't. Like, no. Xerxes played great. And for the record, you know, think about where Trick was in season one versus where he is now, you know, in his third split. We've seen Xerxes season one. Let's see next split. Let's see his two splits from now. Like that crown, like Xerxes coming for it. It's going to be a real race. But for right now, Trick's the undisputed champion. Three-time European LCS MVP Trick. It's boring, but it's a very exciting boring because yeah. Trick is a, is still like Trick is just 
he's t- he's like Tim Duncan. He's just super Mister Fundamentals. Yeah. And sometimes it's boring to watch, but when you're when you are like a student of the game and you want to you want to watch a player who knew how to play basketball, you go watch Tim Duncan. You watch you watch Jordan and LeBron for like the flashy stuff. You watch Kobe for the like the outright scoring. But when you're like, I want to learn how to play basketball the right way, you watch Tim Duncan. And if you want to learn how to play League of Legends as a jungler the right way, it's this man on your screen. It is Trick from G Two Esports. Do yourself a favor. Anyone who doesn't understand how we could be saying Trick for a third split in a row. Go watch his series against H2K or against Unicorns of Love or against, you know, insert name of great jungler here and just pretend like you haven't seen him do this a thousand times. Act, you know, go into this <laughs> thinking like this is some new guy that just yeah. hit the scene. And if he had any other tag above his name and he was just this guy who was playing and doing the things he was doing, you'd be falling all over yourself for him. And just because he's been around doesn't mean I'm going to stop pretending like he's not that guy he is that guy he's still that guy and i can't wait to see him continue to be that guy hopefully throughout the entire playoffs and i can't wait to see what teams are going to do to deal with him because walter we're now done with regular season awards we are full-on playoff mode from here on out yeah and i mean honestly uh would you change any award like for the playoffs if you really want a good trick game go back and watch his graves game against uh vitality uh, that was back back at the beginning of March, right after IEM. The first week back after IEM. That was about, if you want to see Trick like hard carry a game, that's it right there. Uh, but yeah, that's, that is the official end of the regular season to me. This is going to come out on Friday. The playoffs start tomorrow, which is Saturday and Sunday. If you haven't listened to our European or our North American playoff previews, first of all, why not? <laughs> and second of all, go do that after this video stops playing. Yeah, you've still got time. Yeah, you got plenty of time. Like, this is coming out on Friday. You got like 24 hours to go and watch those videos. And when you do, go ahead and shout us out on Twitter. Come talk to us. Tell us what you think, what you disagree with. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? You can send all your hate mail in 140 characters or less to at RedshirtKing. And you guys could, I thought you were going to say something funny there and you just kind of like, eh. I, you know, I couldn't come up with anything fast enough. I was, you know, I, I froze, you know, I, I, I lost myself in the moment. I wanted it, but I let it go. And that was my one shot and I missed my chance to blow. So that's kind of a shame, but here we are. You put, you put Eminem and Frozen together in the same, <laughs> same thing. That is impressive. That is why you're my best friend. You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Some interesting things are happening in the world of Walter Fenchuk. And you'll see potentially at the end of the year where (laughs) this law leads to. And until next week, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at Rough Pod, 
Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.